to another episode of Unbuttoned, a Flannel Destination production, Electric Boogaloo. That was stupid. Re re let's redo that. Nope. Unbuttoned to Electric Boogaloo. There, that's my... <laughs> Son of a bitch. How does, it, how does it feel to leave something in that sounds stupid? Oh, God, I'm dumb. All right, well, everybody, everybody's got to mess up sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. I'm very that's aware of that, apparently. That's not going to be... Uh, <laughs> uh, whatever. I'm not happy about that. All right, today we're going to be talking about some, uh, once again, some cool albums, uh, personal favorites of ours, and a couple of shows. And we'll also be um, answering some questions, too, as yes, we, we did will. on our first episode. That's going to yes, be the trend will. of Unbuttoned, uh, maybe TV show, maybe some sometimes personal favorite movies, uh, mm -hmm. probably mm -hmm. always albums, and always end on some questions. Uh, Nate, why don't you start us off with uh, the album you'd like to talk about today? All right, I suppose I will. Um, my album is by Death From Above, 1979, another, you know, mouthful band. Uh, and the album is called Outrage Is Now. Uh, it was formed by bassist Jesse Keeler, and the band was formed by bassist Jesse Keeler and drummer vocalist Sebastian Granger in Toronto in 2001 after meeting at a Sonic Youth concert. Very hip. <laughs> the two formed... And what are their names again? Uh, Jesse Keeler, that's the bassist, <laughs> and drummer, drummer vocalist Sebastian Granger. You know, this kind of throws my theory of the bassist will always have the dumbest name <laughs> out the window because they both have equally weird names. Yeah, they, they do. They <laughs> sound like they sound like they'd be in like some Victorian era weird <laughs> like eclectic novel. <laughs> Sebastian Granger and Jesse Keeler. <laughs> You're absolutely right, damn. Sherlock Holmes versus Death from Above, 1979. <laughs> yeah. All right, so this was the band's third album. It was released on September 8th, 2017 through Last Gang Records. The band dropped the 1979 from their name for this album, later to change it back on the very next one. Weird. <laughs> the name change occurred when Keeler was creating art for the single titled Freeze Me out of Ice Cube Letters. And the kitty order didn't have numbers, so they dropped the 1979 from their name for the whole album. Because <laughs> it was just, uh, that was the first single they put out, and they he did, couldn't spell 1979. So they're just, they're just like, we're going to be Death From Above now. And then they changed it right back. <laughs> like, so yeah, uh, the band's genre has been notoriously difficult to define, but has often been referred to as dance punk. <laughs> And no. you laugh, you Are laugh. Are you serious? Okay, but it's not what you think it is right away. It's not like <laughs> it's not like ABBA meets like mis the Misfits or something like I that. I think of that video of them those emo kids dancing under oh, the bridge. No. Oh no. That's what dance punk That's is, I imagine. That's not what this is at all. <laughs> okay, so what the, what they mean by that and why they refer to it as dance punk is they take dance beats and structures like song structures and they 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 fill them they they create these kind of punk sounds from it. And it's, it, you know, punk is, is just kind of a very broad term, too. Yeah, absolutely. So you're saying they started with a beat that is typically a for like, like a dancing dance number, yeah. but the guitar and bass and vocals are more indicative of just bass, punk. Just bass and vocals and drums. So there's no guitar in, in, mm, in. That is so bass. badass. Yeah, I don't know. And uh, Keeler is, oh man, he is very very good I, I i struggle to come up with the words that i that i need because he he just he does some things very with the bass good guitar. seems to be pretty pretty <laughs> he does some things with the bass guitar that i've never heard before 
And I mean, it, and they're not necessarily difficult things to do. It's just, I've never heard them before personally. So I really got attached to this kind of, and a lot of people will say, will say like, oh, they're kind of like Royal Blood. And it's like, no, 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 no. Royal Blood is kind of like them. Royal Blood Ooh. is also a two-piece base, but they can't. Uh, Death from Above 1979 were around in like the early, earliest 2000s. So it's, it's, they were, they kind of, I'm not going to say pioneered bass and drum uh, setting, like a band setting. But they but were they there and just kind of overlooked. And they kind of did this sound before anybody who was doing it currently is what I'll say. And, you know, if you know a band that's out there that is, that has made this sound before them, hit us up. Let me yeah, know. I, I'm interested to hear more. I, I didn't realize how cool they were until you said it. So I'd like to see to hear to actually listen and focus in on those bass notes now, knowing that it's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple more things here. Um, Keeler, yeah, like kind of what I'm touching on. Touched on Keeler is a guitar player by trade, and that reflects on his ability to stretch the limits of sound on his bass guitar, which is you know self-explanatory. A uh, main theme of the album is the idea that artists often lose their edge as they age, and in my opinion, in comparison to the previous album, some of the edge is lost in Outrages Now, but it's replaced by an elegant refinement of their sound that the music and the album really benefit from. So it's, 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 a uh, it's, they're not as, you know, edgy, they're not as like, hey, hell yeah, we're, <laughs> we're a, we're a really angsty 20-something band, but it's replaced by, you know, the lyrics have a little bit more weight to them. And uh, they kind of figured out what sounds good and what doesn't for them. Is uh is the, this the album that features uh, Ride on Frankenstein? Is that what it's called? Uh, no, that was their album, uh, The Physical World, that came out in 2014. But oh, that's okay. a that's they, the only way I know the band is because you added those songs to um, the Flannel Destination playlist now yeah, on Spotify. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, that band they get really close, like with songs like that. But they still have some kind of head scratchers in there. But uh, headbangers, head scratchers. I don't, you, no, I don't think. I don't think. like no. no. Like, <laughs> when you hear them and you're like, ah, oh, what, what are they kind of going for here? You Why is I mean? my head so itchy when I listen to this band? <laughs> yeah, allergic oh, reaction. Yeah. <laughs> allergic reaction. That's why. Uh, that's so this cool. album represents Death from Above 1979's accomplishment. In contrast, the sound can only be described as a surgical involvement of dance beats with hammering bass drives. And while the band strives to change their sound with every album, I consider this album their highest achievement in sound. Um, they have since come out with another album this year, actually, or maybe really? it was 2020. And it, it's, it's a lot more <clears throat> dance focused, I want to say. It, it's like club focus, club dance mm. music focus. And it's, I don't I know enough about music to really know what you're talking about, but it's, I don't think a lot of people will. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of like techno kind of stuff going on in it. And the structure is kind of. There's not a whole lot of structure. <laughs> as, Sounds awesome. As per structure, there's not a whole lot of structure. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's really all I have to say about this amazing album. Please, please check it out. Uh, I'm going to be adding some songs from the album to uh, uh, the Flannel Destination uh, playlist here pretty quick, too. So you keep an eye out right for that. Right on, right on. Uh, that, that fucking sounds awesome. You, <laughs> you always pick very interesting uh, bands with like really wonderful tapestry of history going on behind them oh, i you. just kind of choose whatever i'm vibing on <laughs> and <laughs> act like they're top shit um yeah my album uh is also a 2017 album this is a running streak where Hell we have weird. not planned what year the albums we're picking but we've all, both picked the same album last week it was uh 2018 now we're doing 2017 uh my album is after the party by the menzingers 
Uh, the Menzingers are a punk indie rock. They're described as punk indie rock and heartland rock, which I've huh. actually never heard of before. Neither have I. I don't know. I didn't bother looking into it. <laughs> um, their band formed in 2006 in the Office Town, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Well, there you go. The there Office is... Town. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's the fifth. Um, this album was the fifth released by the band. It received pretty high scores. Everybody who's ever uh, like officially reviewed them mm-hmm. averaged out by like a nine out of ten. It's wow. a solid album. Wow. I've heard some of the songs of this album, but not a whole lot. Like maybe one or two. Definitely. Uh, it's pretty solid album i'll I'll say uh vocalist greg barnett referred to the album as a love letter to our 20s which i think a lot of people can um relate to yeah Yeah. it's got really good lyrics that attest to that statement such as um from telling lies is where are we gonna go now that our 20s are over from looker i was such a looker in the old days and this is a bit of a long one, but this one is oh boy. This pretty... Is, this is a solid-ass lyric, if I've ever heard one. This is hitting me hard. I'm turning 30 this year. <laughs> <laughs> all our stickin' pokes, all our inside jokes, we'll regret them when we're dead and sober, but we're still breathing and the party ain't over. Hell yeah. I, it's so cool, because I actually read more, and they were saying that uh, not only is it a love letter to our 20s, it's also a testament uh, to saying um, you... That growing old is mandatory, but growing up is optional. Wow, yeah. You can still hold on to being young and youthful while you're old and decrepit. You know, our albums kind of share a kind of a theme there, too. Hmm. Getting, getting older, but getting more refined and not losing your... Maybe losing some of your edge, but you know, like I said, re- refinement comes with. Yeah. Absolutely. Very cool. This is yeah, and this is a cool album. I discovered it last year, and this was my summer album um, of 2020. Even though um, it came out three years prior, I still think it's super cool. And it kind of there's sometimes it like it touches home for me. Um, my favorite song is probably "Thickest Thieves," yeah. which I know you've heard. Oh, this is great. actually fun fact: one of the six songs. Nate and I sent to my brother that helped him come up with our theme song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Speaking of my brother, too, uh, he works in a distillery in Asbury Park, New Jersey, and he has told me on several occasions that the band frequents that bar. So cool. That's so awesome. It, it, I'm not jealous at all. That's, that's fine. <laughs> no, it's okay. I know it's like to be completely jealous of my brother. <laughs> I've been dealing with it for almost 27 years next week. <laughs> There's also... There's a, another cool lyric I, I kind of want to share that kind of runs with this because uh, in one of their songs they mention um, another bar uh, in the same town, Asbury. Uh, the lyric goes, Jersey girls are always total heartbreakers. Julie from the Wonder Bar, I still wonder where you are. The Wonder Bar is a uh, dive bar slash music venue in Asbury oh. Park. It's kind of famous for one of the um, for one, being one of these venues that a lot of, like, like of the greatest rockers of all time have like oh, wow. de- like um Bruce Springsteen he was there and also the Stone Pony in the same town uh, it's another very famous bar in, wow. in the same town wow very cool um all in all it's a, it's a really solid album um favorite tracks are like probably side A uh telling lies lookers 
Uh, the Midwestern States is a really cool song, um, especially if you look deep into the lyrics. All in all, it's a solid album. I give it a, like 8 out of 10 because times that it misses kind of miss hard, but every song that hits, hits so well. And you know, I think I've only heard some of the, like, you know, the only songs I've heard from that album are just complete bangers. They're, they're fantastic, and I'm, I can't wait to listen to the rest of the album, honestly. All right, anything more to say about uh, Thick as Thieves or about uh, that album? That album? Well, no, I, I think that's uh, pretty much it. Um, eight out of ten, solid. Uh, this I say, I still say it's like a summer album to me, but you know what? You listen to it any time of there the year. There are definitely seasonal albums, you know. That and it's not, and it's nothing of of like their tone or what they say like there are lyrics it's like we're gonna go down to the beach and it's yeah. gonna be summertime it's like well yeah. that's stuff but there's just certain like things that they'll say and it'll just yeah. like trigger like summer a, memories that's like uh, the dream is over by pup god I, damn it i love that they make a lot of references to like ice melting and like the the lake the ice in the lake is melted and oh, oh my god yeah. a lot of a lot of references coast, like that so i always sweet so i always I always think of springtime. I always listen to that album in the springtime. Every time. That album dropped May 27th, 2016. Right on my birthday. Wow. I I ordered that uh, vinyl way before it even released. And when I came home, um, I think I was working that summer still at uh, this catering hall I used to work at back home. Mm-hmm. I come home and it is literally on the doorstep. Yes. But it was a vinyl. And I didn't have oh. an. I had a turntable, but I didn't have speakers. It's one of those turntables where you had to like find speakers right, for. Right, right. So what I actually did, it, the, it's so stupid, but the uh, audio <clears throat> output are um, like component cables. And so yeah. what I ended up doing is that I just plugged it into one of the old TVs in my <laughs> basement yeah. and just heard the album through there. And That's it was fantastic. Like, oh, my God. Yeah, the dream is over. We're definitely going to have a pup episode oh, at yeah, some we point. Have to. Maybe when they do their next episode, maybe when they hit like a, a certain mile marker. We yeah. got to talk about Because if I had to say what is like the a band we both love. The most. It's the pup. most. It's pup it's by pup. far. By, it's, so it's not good. even. There's not even a. By a mile. Yeah, mile. we will. We will definitely do a pub episode in the future. Um, for now, that's all we're gonna say about <laughs> them because we need to save some material for that episode. Yeah, we do. All right, uh, let's get into our shows. Uh, do you want to talk about what you got going on? Sure. Um, if people aren't tired of hearing me this long yet, let's keep me talking. <laughs> so I'm kind of going running with the same theme as last episode and talking about a Western animation show. Um, Today I'm going to be talking about The Owl House, created by uh, Dana Terrace. I believe is how you pronounce her name. Um, the Owl House is about uh, Luz Nosita, who is a nerdy, bright-eyed high school social misfit who stumbles into another world called the Boiling Isles, where witches and monsters practice magic and live together on the re- decaying remains of a giant titan skeleton. Wow. It's pretty badass. It's on Disney Channel. <laughs> uh, here she meets Ida, the Owl Lady, the most powerful witch in the Isles, and her d- King of Demons sidekick, aptly named King. Hmm. Here Luz will discover uh, and learn what, um, what it is to use magic, and a little bit more about herself, and find her own place in this honestly horrifying fantasy world. Yeah, yeah. The show is a fun and quirky, yet 
surprisingly mature and well-written show. It's very well-paced. It's beautifully animated. Not only the characters just looked very cute and crisp, uh, but they got some fight scenes in there that are just so much fun to watch. You know, I've heard good things about the fight scenes in, in Owl House. Yeah, from me, because yeah. I've been getting to, for you to watch it for like no, a year no, now. No, 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 not even just from you. I've seen uh, like on uh, like television subreddits and stuff. Um, it's pretty solid. Yeah, they got some really. It's not in every episode where they have fight scenes, uh, but when they do, I mean, you're gonna remember them. They're yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I've heard great things. Um, it has a pretty great cast. Main, um, uh, the main character is Luz, is voiced by Sarah Nicole Robles. 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 I don't know which I believe is her breakout role, but she's knocking it out of the park. Um, Ida the Owl Lady is voiced by Wendy Malick, who I think is most famous for being on the CBS TV show Just Shoot Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, uh, yep. I, uh, she was also, uh, she played um, <laughs> the wife in uh, The Emperor's New Groove. No way! Yeah, she did. That's crazy. I was going to say um, she played Bojack's mom in Netflix's uh, Bojack Horseman. That's right. That's what I, like, really know her from. Um... King is voiced by Alex Hirsch. He's the creator of Gravity Falls. Uh, very funny. He also plays a talking door named Hootie. <laughs> and it's very funny. And then we also have, uh, as a uh, recurring character, uh, Mae Whitman, who you'll know as Katara oh, yeah. from Avatar The Last Airbender and Anne Veal from Arrested Development, i.e. her? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, the show has gained uh, mixed reviews. And I say mixed because... Almost all of them are overwhelmingly positive, but like one or two bad official reviews are from uh, Christian TV journalists. <laughs> and now if you ask them why, they'll probably say it's because... For the same reason they don't like Harry Potter. <laughs> yes, they'll say that's the reason, because it glorifies a girl learning witchcraft in what is supposed to be hell on what is ostensibly a til- children's TV show. Yeah. But the real reason... That at least I would say is because the Owl House features Disney Channel's very first canonically bisexual main character. Right, 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 right. In an AMA uh, uh, by Dana Terrace, she confirmed that the main character Luce is in fact bisexual, and her main love interest is lesbian. There now, in go. the show, it is directly said that her love interest—not directly said, but it's a little bit more like, pushed in that she's uh, lesbian. But I think with something super cool. Uh, it's actually super funny because uh, Dana Terrace has said that she never uh, intended to lie. She's saying during de- uh, development, she really wanted to bring in um, representation of LGBT uh, mm. for the main cast. Sure. But Disney apparently, like, pulled back and was like, you can do it, just not so directly. Not Steven Universe levels. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I've said that this show is like filling the hole in my heart yeah. that Steven Universe created. Oh, yeah. I also wish we could do an episode on Steven Universe. Yeah, maybe someday. Maybe when they hit like a 10-year anniversary, because that's coming up. Are you serious? Oh, f- 10 years since it started? Yes. Oh, okay. I was like... Yeah, no. <laughs> 10 years since it's ended? No way. Um, Dana Terrace is also like boss lady on Twitter. Any t- she's, anytime people kind try and like you should feel bad for putting on gay characters doing witchcraft on a disney tv show uh one of the best tweets she ever like put out was anyways be gay do witchcraft (laughs) (laughs) which i think is so cool that's awesome this show is uh 
great. It's it's very fun, very funny. It's a little quirky. I would I would definitely recommend to people who were that kid in high school where they didn't have a lot of friends and they really obsessed over Harry Potter because <laughs> that's that's kind of what the main character feels like and I can see people just like definitely loving that. Yeah, yeah. It's it just uh announced that they're the second season's coming out next month. I'm very excited about it. Uh, I love the first season. Uh, I'm very excited for the next, and uh, hopefully you give it a chance. Yeah. So in other words, it's for uh, it's not for cool people that were yes. cool people yes. in high school. So it's I'm watching it, Nate. Of course it's not. <laughs> I was a cool guy in high school. That's not true. All my all my high school friends are laughing at me right now. Like even if they don't listen to this, they're laughing at me. So yeah, yeah, I should watch they, it. That's they don't deserve saying. to laugh at you because they don't have a podcast to laugh. <laughs> oh, shut up. To laugh at you, recorded, Stop put it. it into the internet. Stop. Forever have you laughing, them laughing at you. Okay, anyway, Mark. we're going to move on. <laughs> no, I got a stupid one. You get a stupid one left okay, in. Okay, fine. Oh, God. I have like a thousand stupid ones. You need to catch up. <laughs> All right, my show, some of you might... <laughs> may have also heard of it's it's another 90s anime a little farther back than big o was but it is called trigun and it is probably my second favorite anime of all time kind of keeping with the the anime uh it feels like we're we're both uh following following our own uh agendas yeah. or, or genres or whatever with these ah, i'm okay with it i'm okay with it it's fun whatever yeah oh, okay so Trigun started its life, as most anime do, as a manga series. Uh, the manga ran from 1995 in May to February 1997 and consists of three volumes. A continuation title, Trigun Maximum, being released that December and running until May of 2007. It's an awesome name. Trigun Maximum? Yeah. Yeah, it is pretty, pretty badass. Uh, it's published Super by badass, Shonen Gahosha. Uh, written by Yasuhiro Naitao. Naitao? Night, Night Owl? No. And published by the Tokuma Shoten Company, with Dark Horse Manga being the English publisher. Uh, the TV show is written by Yosuke Kuroda and directed by Satoshi Nishimura and premiered in Japan April 1st, 1998 and ran until September 30th of that same year. So not a not a super long run. Not even this is one year. of those animes that are just one season, like 25 episodes, yeah, right? And it, yep, and it told the story, you know? It really told the story. It's cool. I, I I remember watching that. It was awesome. Yeah, and it's uh and it wasn't super huge in Japan. Really, for, for reasons I'll get into here in just a sec. Uh, the TV show consists of, like I said, one season, uh, twenty six episodes, and is a relatively short show, being as influential as it is. The show follows the infamous Vash the Stampede character. Oh, yeah, that the main guy who is i'm sure you'll get into a oh, yeah. his name's if i remember vash the stampede yeah, because he like causes trouble wherever he goes well and his only friends are two insurance adjusters who are constantly like man you gotta stop destroying like every single town <laughs> we have to pay policies out for this <laughs> he's like I know, I just don't know how to stop. Well, okay, the reason he destroys every town is because he's got a 60 billion, in what they call double dollars in their currency, 60 billion double dollar bounty on his head. Which I, so, I checked into uh, 
a converter uh, once when I was looking up double dollars. Is it 120 billion double dollars? It's actually 38 cents. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my god! Great fact there. Great, great interjection there. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, so he's got this huge bounty on his head, and so people and bandits and th- this takes place on the planet called Gunsmoke. But it's also like cowboy themed. Oh yeah, yeah. It's very western. Space punk. The, well, the, the planet's called the planet's called Gunsmoke. So I mean, yeah, it's very, very western. Yeah. Um, so these the. He's got a lot of bounty hunters and such on his on his on his tail, and they always pretty much destroy wherever, like the location that he's in, and they, <laughs> and he always gets away. So people have mistakenly mistakenly thought that he is going to these towns and blowing them up, just destroying entire cities, because he's just this super villain essentially, right? Um, he's an incredibly gifted gunfighter. Uh, has retrograde amnesia, so he doesn't really know why he's going around doing stuff, but he's just goofy enough to just kind of <laughs> go with the flow. And it's funny, the, di- the dynamic between the insurance adjusters, Millie and uh, Millie and Merrill, and Vash, they don't believe that he's actually Vash for the first, like, ten episodes. Because he's they're like, this guy is a dumbass. <laughs> like, yeah. how, could he, how could this guy be the, the humanoid typhoon, as he's often referred to? Um, Vash, uh, he always tries to be non-lethal, so he never really... Until very. Like the very end, he never really, and even in the end, it's it's debatable. He never like directly shoots anybody and like to kill, like uh, shoulders, sure, or like their weapons, sure. Um, he also never lets anyone else die. I remember that he, he tries not he to. He abhors death. Yeah, yeah, yep, in yep, yep. any form, which you know, philosophically is kind of stupid. Things need to die. It just happens. Well, but I mean, it works to his character, and it be, I, I remember it being very admirable and yeah, lovable yeah, about yeah. the character. Well, and then a counterpart of his comes along later, who has the opposite agenda, and I'm not going to spoil it because it's a great story. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like I said, the story revolves around uh, uh, the planet Gunsmoke, inhabited by colonists fleeing a dying Earth. Um, it's a documentary. <laughs> Sounds like it's going to be a documentary very soon. So the story kind of reveals the history of Vash and human civilization fleeing Earth and coming to live on the planet Gunsmoke, and it gets really, really, really interesting. Uh, considered one of the most important animes of the '90s, it definitely has a very '90s style visually. Oh, absolutely! Like I, almost, maybe because it's from the fucking '90s, Nate. There are other. <laughs> there are like ahead of their time and both like like antiquated 90s shows that yeah like some of them look like they could be there's like some Gundam shows that look from the 90s that look like they could be from the freaking 70s and there are some shows that also look like they could be they could air alongside Full Metal Alchemist you know so it's yeah to be fair a lot of anime that came over at that time um right now we're almost on like same date like it airs subbed in Japan it airs maybe like a week or two maybe even a month later Mm-hmm. In English dubbed yep. in America back then, like the difference is like ten years because oh, anime yeah, was still wasn't you know huge. Um, and it wasn't a super long time because it was so short. There wasn't a whole lot of VA work to do, so it was uh, it, it it aired roughly about the same time. Hmm. But yeah, definitely I get what you're saying with the with the latency there with some other big shows. Um. The show is often, Trigon is often overshadowed by what is referred to as its close anime cousin, Cowboy Bebop. 
Yep, I can see it. It's a very similar uh, universe that they live in. Yeah, kind of. There's a lot of bounty hunters. And there's a lot of space. There's a there's heavily themed in one way or another. And Guns. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the show has a feeling unlike any anime before or since its inception. Creates a lighthearted atmosphere while the story evolves into something more serious, blending dark moral dilemmas into often downright silly situations and vice versa. Um, Have you seen the movie? I did. It was it was like right after I saw the show for the first time, so I don't really remember what what happened. But it's like uh, for a movie that came out like 10, 15 years after it aired. It was a solid ten years. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's I think it was like twenty eleven. I forget what it's called. Um, oh yeah, it might have been like twelve years. Yeah. Also, uh, fun, Badlands very fun. Rumble in the Badlands or something like Badlands that. Badlands Rumble. Badlands Rumble. Yeah. I'm talking about this show and I don't know what the movie's called. Um, well, you're talking about the show, not the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Get along, little bug. Uh, have you seen the show? Yeah, I seen it. It's cool. Oh yeah, in the in the it's, end, it's one end of those that crazy. you need to see if you like anime. Oh, like yeah. it's of course it's gonna be like Big O or um, a little antiquated. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, was Cowboy Bebop. It's just one yeah. of those like everybody has like raved about it. You kind of have to see it if you're an anime fan. Yep, you definitely do. All right, so that's all I have to say about it. Let's Solid. get into some questions. Here, yes, always fun to do questions. We'll try and uh, answer them as right. you do with questions. As you do. <laughs> all right, so uh, let's hit the random number generator here Beep, and boop, see boop, which boop, one we're doing. Number 12. Number Would you 12. rather have... Oh, no. Oh, no. Is this a Sal question? Did no, Sal send in this question? This is from Nick Reese, uh, one of our good friends. greatest listeners and fans <laughs> would you rather have all of wonder woman's abilities but have ancient lamentation music always playing in the background or have bruce wayne's billions but have martian manhunter spoiled for you and no amount of <laughs> therapy will ever help you get over it <laughs> thanks nick oh my god wait a is that even a real question that. or a big middle finger to you nate no what do you think it is Oh, Rich is giving you a big middle finger. Everyone is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're never... It's going to be until season two of Final Destination before you live that one down. Maybe not even then. Maybe not even then. If we, if I had to answer, uh, yeah, billions all the way. I fucking have, can't even stand like the 12 songs they play on the playlist at work every day. <laughs> I can't do Ancient Lamentation for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next one here, 24. 24. Have we done that one yet? No, not yet. What's your favorite MCU movie? That is hard. Okay, I can narrow it down to three. Okay. Uh, Infinity War, definitely. Ragnarok. And I think I'm going to have to say Guardians 1. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go phase here. By phase. I'm going to go... First Captain America. Really? And then I'm going to say probably Guardians 1 because I saw that in theaters literally like seven times. No way. People just kept asking me to go and I kept saying yes. <laughs> it's one of the only... I, I've seen very few movies twice in theaters. Oh, wow. It, it was Guardians 1 and the SpongeBob movie. Those are the only two oh movies I've ever God. seen twice in theaters. And then uh, Phase 3, it's got to be Endgame. You like Endgame more than Infinity oh, War? Oh, so much more. So really? Much more. That's crazy. So I like much more. Infinity War is, like, perfect, but, I mean, Endgame just, the whole time heist thing never, like, sold me. Yeah. But I will admit, the last 30 minutes. so well. The last 30 minutes of Endgame are, like, 
just fucking legendary. Oh, they are. People talk, still talk about, um, spoiler alert, I guess, if you haven't seen a three-year-old movie, um, <laughs> when Captain America... Have Ameri you seen Citizen Kane? That's like 70 years old. So. <laughs> when Captain America uh, grabs Mjolnir, that's like one of the biggest moments in cinematic history. That's up there with the Death Star blowing up. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing. Solid. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay, let's get on to our next question well, here. Yeah, one last question, and then we'll, I think we should we'll sign up. up. Yeah. We're hitting the 30-minute mark where we we're trying yeah, to hit about the time. this. It's about the time. Uh, which movie character would you want to have as a guest on the pod? You, it's so weird. I thought this would be a hard question. Immediately off the top of my head, um, John Constantine. From the DC, <laughs> wow! Like the animated one, yeah, yeah, yeah. In not live action, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> not, the, I, I, it'd be super cool to have Keanu Reeves on. But that's not the question. The question is what D, uh, what comic book it said? No, no, no. Any, any, uh, any movie character. I don't know why I didn't say something one cooler, but yeah, for uh, for whatever reason, I'm gonna say right now, John Constantine. I love John Constantine. All like the DC movies that he's in, which is like Justice League Dark, Justice League Dark mm -hmm. Apocalypse. He's an awesome character. Love mm -hmm. him. Super cool. He'd be funny. Um, wow, this is a tough one for me. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna spoil it for you and say it's Martian Manhunter. No, definitely, <laughs> definitely not. How dare you? God, uh, just let me let me die already. Okay, uh, Neo, Neo, from, Neo. That's Dad's. That's that's Rich's Neo from the Matrix. That would be fun. He's a he's a huge Matrix file. He's very excited for the next movie. Um, I'm gonna say Bill the Butcher, played by uh, Daniel Day Lewis from Gangs of New York, because he is not hard to listen to. He is an asshole, and he'd probably you know cut my finger off for not being white or something like that. But I. <laughs> I'd, I'd want him here just to piss you off. <laughs> and so he could just physically accost you when you told him that he sounds stupid. I didn't say he sounds stupid. I just said I couldn't understand him. I Do you really want a podcast episode where all I'm going is... Uh, yeah, oh... Uh, Sorry, what? What? Uh, what? 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 <laughs> what about America? I don't. I disagree, but... Uh, yeah, I know, we've... I, we're not getting back into that again. We'll have maybe a podcast episode where I just talk... Why about I don't like Daniel oh Day-Lewis, and it'll be agonizing for everybody involved. All right, everybody, that's enough for I... this episode. Uh, stickers are in this week. Once again, let us know if you want one. Otherwise, we're going to be, we're going to be, uh, not yet there, Rich. We're going to be down at Slackers for uh, a show. Yep. Um, Centricity, starring with Tato Johnson, who was an earlier guest. Yeah, so yeah. we'll probably be there. If you're there, too, we'll hand out stickers. Yeah, or is yeah. that a faux pas to, like... We're not hijacking their, their thing. If you see us around, what Tyler's trying to say, if you see us around, ask, ask us for, for a, a sticker. sticker. We'll give it to you, yeah. <laughs> if you're also a listener of the show. Um, anything else you want to say about the... No, uh, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Unbuttoned. We'll be back this weekend with... With uh, Josh Fessler, yep, Josh and we're going to be doing Love Rob. Love, <laughs> Love death, death, and Robots. And, robots. and uh, as we like to say here at Final Destination, go weird or go home. But don't go home weird. <laughs>